listening to the She Means Profit podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA, financial strategist for CEOs, and a Forbes.com contributor. She Means Profit is a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners just like you become a master at your finances without confusion so that you can increase your profit and net worth. With over 20 years of experience working with business owners, I'm sharing with you real and actionable advice that will give you the tools to take your financial power back. Let's make some major money moves together. Hey, Eleanor, welcome to She Means Profit podcast. I am so excited to have you here with us today. It's such a privilege to be here with you and your community. Thank you so much. I mean, I have admired your work and what you do for women entrepreneurs for many, many years. And I am so excited to be talking about your work and how you help women and, you know, claim that space of stepping into your wealth and creating wealth for women. I mean, you and I both love this topic. We'd love to talk about it. So if you just want to jump in and explain to the listeners a little bit about what you do and how you help women, that would be fantastic. So everything that I do, it basically comes down to this one moment as a teenager My mother is driving me to basketball practice. She had originally started as a breadwinner in our family. And then we immigrated to Canada. The culture was completely different. So she became a stay-at-home mom, gave up her career, and became financially disempowered. And so she and my dad had a great relationship in many ways. But if they disagreed about how to invest money or spend money or use money, he would win because he was the breadwinner. And that was just how it went. So one day she's driving me to school. They've just had the upteenth disagreement. And she's like, Eleanor, money is power. Always make your own. So that fire of helping women generate their own money and really understanding that money is power because it enables you to make choices and to express yourself and your decisions when you are able to generate that money. Like that has really fueled my entire career in business. And so today, my company, Safi Media, we are on a mission to double the number of women founders who sustainably scale past seven figures by 2030 through entrepreneurship education, through storytelling, and through business coaching. Um, And that's really what I do, right? Yeah. Let's go back to that story first, because I love that story, right? And it's so true. Money is power. And knowing your business numbers and what's going on in your business is fine. And your personal finances is financial empowerment. So I can totally see how that would have lit a fire in you, right? I'm curious to know, though, I have to ask, why would your mom go from a working mom to a stay-at-home mom when she came to Canada? Yeah. So she's from the Fiji Islands, very, very different culture. And so when they moved to Canada, nobody looked like her. They didn't talk like her. The culture was different. She was a school teacher and Canada actually also didn't accept her teaching credentials. And so she would have had to go back to school and she just didn't want to put me in daycare. Just the culture was so, it was such a culture shock. Had she been in Fiji, I definitely would have been in daycare. No problems, (laughs) you know, but um, in Canada, no. So that's why, you know, that's why she made that decision. And it was a really meaningful decision. And it changed the trajectory of her life. You know, it shifted the choices that she made and it changed the trajectory of my life. You know, like seeing that this really smart, capable, independent woman 
who was not financially empowered. And I was very determined. You know, her advice to me was so powerful. And I was also determined, I am never going to be like that. And so that was a whole bunch of stuff to work out too, that ironically, right, the very person who's inspired so much of who you are, it came because you didn't want to have the reality that she had. Mm-hmm. So I always, you know, lots of therapy on that. As I'm yeah, sure you can well imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> now, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Nope. <laughs> okay. Oh, Melissa, I was going to be an investment banker slash supermodel. So I grew up in the 19- I grew up in the 1990s, like in 1980s and 90s. So it was the age of like the supermodel, Naomi Campbell, yeah. Linda Evangelista. I'm six feet tall. And at the time, yeah, yeah. At at the time was like bony and skinny. And so like I was, I've been tall for a long time, basically. I've been like six feet since I was 15. And so it was all like, okay, I might be an ugly duckling now, but one day I'm going to be a supermodel. And so I would watch, watch like Jeannie Becker and FT fashion television and then my aunt was an investment banker in the city of London. And so I just like took the two most glamorous things I could think of, put them together. And that was my desired career path. But I actually, like I studied economics. I started working first in advertising and public relations and communications, and then as a journalist. And I really, you know, again, my mom, <laughs> she gave me a piece of advice. She came to visit me one time and she said, you know, Eleanor, sometimes I just think that every woman should find a career that's going to allow her to have maximum flexibility. Now, Sheryl Sandberg would have said that my mom told me to lean out, you know, of like a big corporate career, but I am so happy for that advice because then, you know, I got married and I was really thinking about what do I want to do? And I felt a little unemployable because I just felt like in so many organizations, there was just so much wasting of time through ineffective leadership. And my husband was like, he comes from, you know, in a very entrepreneurial family. He's like, why don't you try starting a business? And I'm like, ew, what? You know, like never. Because this was, you know, like entrepreneurship is very cool now. It was not cool. Not cool. In it the was early two thousand risk. It was a huge risk. And it's like what losers did who couldn't get a better job. Like, (laughs) that's so true. You know, so true. (laughs) So I tried it and I loved it, you know, and I basically started a communications consulting business. And I can remember, like, I learned how to sell, Melissa. And this is the thing today, everybody, they do a startup and they just want somebody to tell them how to do everything. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't available when you know when I was no. coming up. I mean, and so yeah, I just like, to learn, right? Was this before the internet when you started out? No, but it was definitely even before social media. So I started my first business in 2003. But like, it was early. It yeah. was really early. Like you did not have the resources that you have today. No. So, you know, and it's funny because I started my business only two years ago. And I often think, how did people do this before the internet? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh so my gosh. Definitely. Yeah. Like email was my best friend. Email was my best friend, but you know, like just really had to learn how to sell, how to make offers, how to get somebody interested in taking a chance. And that was so valuable, but there were so many things that I did wrong in that first business. Well, that's the way it is, right? We live and learn. Yeah. So tell me how you take your experience and you help women entrepreneurs today. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about another fire in my belly moment. Okay. So when I started this business, the very first business, I was a communications consultant 
And there was this guy named Roger, and he was just one of these people just incredibly talented at finding talent. So Roger finds me, and then he finds this friend, this other guy who became a friend and is still a friend today, Elliot. And Elliot was a designer, a graphic designer. So you've got a writer and a graphic designer, and Roger starts saying, do you want to try this project, that project? Anyway, Elliot and I end up building two successful businesses. And I build a business selling my time. And he builds a business selling his brand and his process. Both of us get burnt out and tired of the businesses that we had at around the same time. But because I sold my time, I had no assets and nothing to sell and I had to shut it down. But because Mm -hmm. Elliot had tapped into this network of leaders who were really advising him on the right way to build a business, he was able to actually sell the business and walk away with seed capital that he could use to start his next business. Like I'm estimating that that experience probably put him 10 years ahead of me. And I am a competitive person, Melissa, and I love him. And I was so mad because I was like, I didn't have the access. I'm equally talented, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the access to advice, to insight about how to properly build a business. I had all these dumb courses of people telling me how to manage teams, like so much of the entrepreneurship education that's offered to women, I think in startup mode is a crock. You know, it's not even created by entrepreneurs who even understand. And this was the kind of stuff like, anyway, so I was furious and indignation and fury is a very constructive force when you allow it. And so I said, literally, I was like, as God is my witness, I will not (laughs) allow another woman to go through what I went through to put those years of building a business and not to have something to show for it. So that's where Safi Media was founded. And it was really about work. Like if you're really going to help women drive profit and wealth so close to your heart, Mm-hmm. then we need to stop selling our labor and we need to create businesses that grow through our assets. You are and like music to my ears. I love hearing this. Continue. <laughs> like, and P.S. So those of you out there who get mad about things, like being angry, being worked up and mad is just so constructive. Like so much good stuff can come. Yeah. You know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Indeed. <laughs> and there's I nothing wrong with that. Completely agree. Completely agree. <laughs> it can be very constructive. Very constructive. So basically, you know, as I started um, you know, this this second business and started really working with women founders and just really understanding them and studying them. And our specialty is women who sell services and knowledge, which is the vast majority of women-based startups. And really seeing there was a gap of information for them. If you are doing this, you really have to understand how to structure intangibles, how to turn intangibles into true assets, how to position market and sell intangibles, and how to create growth strategies based around your intellectual property, you know, and leveraging and building teams that can, you know, if you're selling your intellectual property, how do you start to get to build teams to help you do that effectively? So that's really, you know, what Safi Media is all about. You know, our whole thing is just we're obsessed with women entrepreneurs, understanding them and creating a model of growth that's made for us and by us. And that's when I started to really see the limits of things like hustle culture. So, you know, so many women entrepreneurs, they start their businesses, they're selling their time and their skill. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the thing that they most want is freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, women entrepreneurs, they want cash. 
They want influence, the ability to have their ideas acted upon, and they want autonomy, freedom. Mm -hmm. So as I started looking at this, I started seeing, you know, like we need to have a destination. We need to have a promised land. We need to know that we're working towards something. And so that's where we created the concept of the jewel business. So, you know, if I were a tech founder, I would be trying to become a unicorn, a company that had a billion dollar valuation. But for so many women entrepreneurs, we don't want to be unicorns. Mm -hmm. So then what are we going for? So that's the jewel business. So a jewel business is the 30-30-30 model, 30% top line growth per year until such time as the founder wants to accelerate or decelerate growth, but we're doing it intentionally. So we're setting a number. It's not 10Xing, you know? It's, it's if I hear that 10 X word one more on. time, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Come on, you know, like please. And so, so it's 30% top line growth, 30% profitability, you know, like really, yeah. So you're making sales, but are you generating profit? Oh, music are you my paying ears. yourself and generating profit? Yeah. And then 30% open time for the founder. So This means a minimum of 30% of the time where the founder is not delivering the business like yeah. delivering the goods. And when you can such, create sorry, this. This is just such important information that should be delivered, right? Because, you know, like these 10X strategies and this, you know, all these marketing promises out there that people are getting sucked into. It's really frustrating, right? Because, you know, when I serve my clients, they typically come to me and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I keep signing up with these marketing people and it's not helping me. And I'm like, you know, you got to start focusing on bringing in the sales. That's the first thing you need to do. Second thing you do is manage your profit. When you've got those sales coming in, manage your money so that you are creating that profit and reinvesting. And so many online business coaches out there are not talking about the profit. They're not talking about the traditional business owner and the business structure that all entrepreneurs, I don't, whether you're service-based, product-based, tech founders, whatever, I don't care. You need to have this structure in your business. So I love, I absolutely love, love, love that you focus on this in your programs. A hundred percent, because I think that there's a difference between being a good salesperson mm -hmm. or being a great marketer and being a good business coach. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, they're two very different things. <laughs> and I think you know, in the online world, it's really about, can you drive traffic? Can you get people to opt into a lead magnet? And can you make them an irresistible offer? All of which is fantastic and has nothing to do with running a profitable business necessarily. Like if it costs you $100 to run the ads and do all the stuff and you're selling something that's $50, like that's a super fast highway to nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> Right? Like not exactly just sort of those fundamentals of business, you know, are not there. And so I think, you know, right now we're at a moment that is like, I think about the great resignation and big workplace shifts and how so many women have made the decision like you have done in the last few years to step out of the traditional workforce and start their own businesses. There's, mm -hmm. This is like driving dramatic change in the dramatic labor market, change, yeah. dramatic change in the economy. And I know that we, as women leaders, we don't want to create mini corporations. Like, I think we really want to create a new way of working and use the influence that we have to create new ways of looking at what does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to grow? What does it mean to be ambitious? 
And so, you know, this is where I think we have to put sustainability first. Mm -hmm. And in order to have a sustainable planet and a sustainable economy, as a founder, you need to stay focused on your business. And is your business sustainable for you? Does mm -hmm. it nourish you as it grows or does it deplete you? And that's the first place we need to look. I love that. And going, just backing up a bit to something that you had mentioned earlier, where you were like, you know, you scale until you get to that point where you're happy, right? It doesn't mean that you need to be a seven or eight figure business. And I love that you talk about this because there's so much noise out there that's telling us grow to 70 it used to be, you know, six figure, multiple six figures. Yeah. And it just keeps getting higher and higher. And it's like, not everybody wants to do that. And it's totally okay. If you don't want to do that. Preach. And here's the thing, you know, and I think to your point, I think it's all about what's your vision, mm -hmm. you know, like what was the vision? What was the reason that you started the business? And can you communicate and share that vision and so that you feel good about what you're doing and why? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. So the work that I do in this program that I run called Power Presence Position, it's all about really helping women entrepreneurs effectively position their companies to scale. And the core, you know, I don't actually start with what does the market want? <laughs> you know, it always starts with why are you in business and what is your actual vision? Mm -hmm. So for some time, I've had this thing. It just came to me. I was like, I want to double the number of women founders who sustainably scale past a million, like very clear. And so I don't actually work with founders who don't want that. And that's totally fine because there's other places for, that, for mm -hmm. them to work with and go. For a while, Melissa, I was like, why is this? But why am I saying this? Like, why is it seven figures? Like, why is it so important to me to double? But I just kind of trusted, you know? And then I really understood as my vision, the larger vision for my business started to become clear. I was really doing a lot of work, interpersonal work. I was continuing to connect to who I really was, what I really wanted. And I remembered being in grade six and like, I was a major environmentalist. Like we planted 500 trees on my property with my parents. Okay. That was the year 500 trees because I thought it would help be more oxygen, even though I lived like in heavily forested Nova Scotia, Canada, like we did not need 500 more trees, but you know, like doing all of this fundraising to like buy an acre of land to the rainforest. Like I have been That's into, amazing, right? And I realized, you know, I was sitting back one day, very pissed off, again, <laughs> pissed off, mad, <laughs> that nothing was happening on the climate change front, no real change, no meaningful change. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, it's because nobody actually believes that you can have economic growth and environmental sustainability because we're not seeing it. We don't see enough examples. And then I had this image of myself being with this group of women founders. You're there too. And we're at the UN. It's 2030. We're at the UN. And there's like a hundred of us. And listen, we look good. Okay. We look good. We smell amazing. And <laughs> we are there and we are saying to the General Assembly, we're giving a presentation and we're showing seven figure woman after seven figure founder after seven figure founder showing, look, we have created incredibly sustainable businesses that are employing people that are providing wonderful jobs, that are contributing to a diverse supply chain, that have a small carbon footprint, and that where everybody who is part of this and who works in this company is in an environment that promotes well-being. We are the examples that you can have economic growth that is deeply sustainable. And I saw that 
So now my entire marketing strategy, Melissa, is about going out into the world and recruiting the women who are coming with me to the UN in 2030, who are going to be the proof points and examples, right? I love that, yeah. To me, like you gotta love your reason why that you're, otherwise it's just a marketing tactic and nobody wants that. We wanna know why, like why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Why is this a mission in your business? Otherwise to your point, it's empty, Mm. it's manipulative and it's just talking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so beautifully well said. And, you know, your story gives me shivers and I cannot wait to be there. In Listen, let's go. You're going to look good, <laughs> smell amazing and yeah. really change the world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, just feeling good about it. And, you know, like there's just so many, what's the word I would use? Like, you know, when you're working with women, when they come to you, is there resistance at first about creating this life for themselves? Yes. I totally think there is, you know, and there's resistance around specific pieces. So I think in order to create a life where you can really have a big impact and you are really able to hold the space for lots of people to be transformed by the work that you're doing. One of the things that needs to happen is that you have to renegotiate your value at the level of the individual person. Mm. And I have found that that's the most challenging. So I'll give you an example. And I totally went through this, like started doing a lot of one-on-one coaching. That was my whole business. And as a one-on-one coach, I could sit in front of my client. I could talk with her. I could see things light up. There was a ton of feedback and gratitude and appreciation. And I won't lie, there was a part of my ego that loved that. And then I started to create the assets and the methodologies and the ability to train fantastic coaches to do the work that I did, who were even better coaches than I am, and starting to bring them in. And then you start to see your relationship with your clients changes a little bit. You are the leader and the container creator and the culture setter, but you're not that one-on-one deliverer anymore. And so you have to allow yourself to renegotiate the value. You have to allow that part of you that needs that continuous reinforcement that you get in a one-on-one delivery relationship. You have to allow that to be transferred to incredible team members. And some people, you know, are just like, yeah, I have no problem with this. But I find, especially for women service providers who provide, you know, advice, counsel, knowledge, we're used to that closeness, there can be a ton of resistance to actually allowing yourself to impact people at scale. Mm. And so you can hear a lot of, oh, I just want to keep everything small. Yeah. That's what happens when you're the product, my friend. You have to keep it small. And why are you being the product? Why are you valuing yourself in that way? You know, And they say it under the guise of, I want to offer great customer experience. Mm-hmm. And look, for some people, actually, that may be 100% what you want. I truly want to have a small business. I truly just want to impact a few people deeply, you mm-hmm. know? But I think the women founders who really want to scale, they're looking at having a bigger impact than that, but they haven't done the leadership work required to allow themselves to lead at that level. And this was the conversation I wish I had had when I first started scaling. 
I love this. Yeah. This is just fantastic. I think the work you're doing is amazing. And, you know, I could talk with you about this forever in a day. Right. Because, right. <laughs> you know, we are, you know, so about building traditional businesses for women, sustainable, giving them the life that they want, financial freedom, the whole gamut. Now, I know listeners are going to want to reach out and contact you. How will they find you, Eleanor? So they can find me on Instagram at Eleanor Beaton, and you can check out my podcast, Power Presence Position. Awesome. And we are going to leave the links in the show notes. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with us? Mm, Yes. You cannot outperform your boundaries. So as you grow and elevate, you need to create better and stronger boundaries to really protect you and support you. That's just so key. I found it so key personally. And I hope that's useful to one person. I love it. I'm sure it will be useful to many. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate this. Thank you for joining us on the She Means Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, I ask you to hit subscribe, rate the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Melissa Houston CPA. And join us in our She Means Profit Facebook group.